The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Hello, I'm Kimberly King, and welcome to the Mother's Market Radio Show, a show dedicated to the truth, beauty, and goodness of the human condition. On today's show, we get information on the current label GMO's ballot initiative. Right now, California is getting ready to vote on Prop 37. So pull up a chair and listen to why this is so important. Plus, later we'll tell you what's new at Mother's and what's going on around town. First up, we we are what we eat, and it's important to know exactly what goes into the food we buy. And today, we are pleased to welcome Pam Larry to the show. Pam is an advocate for labeling on genetically modified foods or GMOs, and it's our pleasure to welcome her to the Mother's Market Radio Show. Pam, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me here. Absolutely. Why don't you fill our audience a little bit on your mission and your work before we get to the show's topic? Sure. I'll take a, try to do it as short as I can. I'm a grandmother from a small town north of Sacramento called Chico. I've been interested in food issues forever and a day. And I started finding out about these things about nine years ago and started becoming increasingly alarmed that we don't know what we're eating. And we, more importantly, we aren't given a choice about what we're eating. So long story condensed, I had an epiphany on January 20th of 2011 that it was my job from that day forward to do everything I could to get a ballot initiative on the November 6th uh, ballot to so that the people of California could vote to get genetically engineered foods, foods labeled. So I took a little bit of time to learn how to do this kind of stuff because I had no funding, I had no experience, I had no contacts, I had nothing, mm-hmm. and I just started being on the road, and I've been pretty much on the road ever since. We built a grassroots movement by people around the state saying, yes, I want to lead my community. Then we got professionals, Nature's Path, Mercola.com, and a few others behind us. Um, And we wrote the initiative. We handed it in. We started gathering signatures on February 18th. We handed them in 10 weeks later. We got 971,126 signatures. Good for you. Pretty unusual. We did have some paid folks in there too, but volunteers did a goodly portion of those, more than all the other ballot initiatives combined, you know. Um, Anyway, so now we're on the ballot, and our opposition is coming out full force. We have the six largest chemical companies on the planet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and most of the largest grocery store, you know, grocery manufacturers against us. So mm-hmm. it's definitely one of those situations where it's the people's right to know and uh, mega huge corporations not really wanting us to. <laughs> well, you know what? You have uh, made an impact. And when you sat down, you said you're Italian and you're Leo, and mm-hmm. I have a feeling you're a force to be reckoned with. So <laughs> you're here to be heard. So that's a good thing, Pam Larry. And you. Uh, you also said you're uh, your initial invest what instigator. Oh, I, oh, I call myself I call myself people often ask me what my title is and I call myself the initial instigator and chief rabble rouser of Prop thirty seven. So I that's love that my title. Yeah. I like your title. It's well, on my business cards even. <laughs> <laughs> I want one of those business sure, cards. You that's, bet. Uh, good for you. Well today uh, we are discussing GMOs. And since our last show on this topic, California will be voting, of course, on Prop 37, the California Right to Know initiative in the next general election on November 6th. So, Pam, what is a GMO? A GMO is not a hybrid. It is not 
something that happens with selective breeding. It stands for genetically modified organism. What this means is it's a very specific process that happens only in a laboratory. It cannot happen in nature, whereby they extract the DNA or the RNA from one plant, animal, or species, and they insert it in the lab, in the lab into another plant, animal, or species using viruses and bacteria to make sure they stick. Now, for an example, I always like to give this one. There's an, uh, a, a, a bacteria called Bacillus thuringiensis, or BT. It lives in the soil, so and it kills bugs, and so they take out the part that kills the bugs. They take out that gene, and they insert it into the genes of the corn so that every submolecular thing in the corn now has an insecticide in it mm. so that when the bug eats the corn the bug dies they even have to register it as a pesticide when they grow it <laughs> okay mm. and so when the bug eats it the bug dies and then they feed this corn to the pigs and the cows and to our children eating their corn chips and a variety of other things that corn are in so uh, we're not only eating a genetically modified food, but we're also eating a, a pesticide. And so that's okay to some people, and that's fine with me if those folks want to eat it and feed it to their children. But I feel that we in the United States, in order to have a free market, mm -hmm. should have information that you cannot have a free market if there's no transparency. And so I believe we have a right to know what we're buying, what we're spending our money on, and what we're feeding our children, pure and simple. Yeah, and the numbers, of course, come up when you have cancers and when this all turns around. I mean, this is kind of what GMOs, uh, well, you're, you're here to tell us about. What well, you know, I, would, I don't make those leaps. I don't really talk about the science tremendously um, because there's so much, you know, so much on both sides. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll talk to somebody from, you could get someone sitting here telling you these things are completely safe. They've been studied for hundreds, 30, yup, 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 yup. <clears throat> and we could look at that, you know, and say, oh, well, your study's flawed. At the same time, they will look at other folks, other scientists, mm -hmm. data, independent scientists. By the way, all the pro-GMO things are done by the actual companies that make these things. The FDA relies on them. Um, and then you get an independent scientist who will come up with some different findings. But then the ag, ag biotech industry, the chemical industry will look at those and say, well, they weren't done correctly and they don't acknowledge them. And scientists are getting, um, you know, losing funding or getting fired for all sorts of stuff. So because of that, you know, and we've got science on both sides, I just got to ask, where is mom in the aisle with all this? Mm -hmm. You know, whether mm -hmm. we've, you know, what do we do? How do we, how does a mother go and look at, a, you know, a food and know if it's okay? Yeah, and that's exactly what leads to my next question is right. aren't almost all foods GMOs and haven't we been doing this for thousands of years? No, actually, like I was saying, this okay. is something completely different. You know, th that process that they're talking about happens in nature. It's mm -hmm. like assisting nature a little bit more closely, you know, where you find two different strains of rice that might grow really well in an area. You put them close to each other, they pollinate, or maybe you assist them a little bit with the pollinating. It's not like in a laboratory where they shoot the genes into the cell, mm -hmm. you know, and like I was saying, use a virus to make sure that it stays in, you know, gets into the DNA. You know, nature has certain barriers between crossing species or between doing certain kinds of things. And this is bypassing that that uh, system <laughs> completely. Right. And you're here to say, yeah, this is a completely different system. Yeah. And again, if people are okay with that, and many people are, that's fine with me. Mm -hmm. You know, they can feed that to themselves and their children, but I have a right to know what's when I'm eating them. What are the health risks, if, if any? Well, before these things were introduced on the market, the FDA's own scientists warned of problems with increased toxicity, increased allergies, and inc all sorts of stuff that we might not know, you know, could happen because this is such a new technology. We don't know what we don't know, uh, although they wouldn't have put it that way. Um, mm -hmm. 
so increased studies are showing that in animals that there are increased allergies, there are problems with fertility. There's all sorts of different things going on with animals, both in anecdotal reports and actual studies when they are actually allowed to happen. Uh, we were told for many years that this stuff was just digested, just you know, didn't harm humans, not to worry. But yet a study last year out of Canada showed that it is, in fact, is in the blood of pregnant women and babies when they are born. So uh, this pesticide is babies are born with it. Um, it's it's everywhere. And again, people come to this from different issues, uh, you know, but again, eating a pesticide isn't something that most of us would do. It would be like feeding your baby a bottle of Roundup. Right. Like you can just imagine being at the store <laughs> or, on the grocery shelf and saying, oh, right. yeah, that looks pretty good. I'm going to have some Roundup. Tasty. Yeah. Or, or here, <laughs> the other piece would be is, here, take my baby into your lab. Mm. And, you know, do whatever you want to with this child. You know, we wouldn't do that, Mm-mm. you know, with this new something. We would wait for it, somebody else's baby was and, tested, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, what, Pam, it's really sometimes it takes that visual to, mm-hmm. to really, and and that's what you're here for. You're really saying this is what it is. You're, you're, that's, yeah. that's what you're doing. You're describing the visual. Uh, we talked about the health, but what about the environmental risks? There are quite a few environmental risks. Um, what's happening right now is because nature wants to, you know, continue on, she adapts, you know. And so we have now superbugs and superweeds. Mm. They're becoming tremendous, you know, problems. Uh, this, the bugs, uh, in, you know, they're touted as reducing pesticide use, which is totally false because, like I said, they are the pesticide, number one. But number two, when you get rid of one bug, you then then leave open all sorts of uh, room for other bugs to come in that aren't necessarily affected by these particular um, pesticides. Uh, and so other kinds of pesticides have to be used to be gotten, get, get rid of those. Um, another thing about the super weeds is back east in the Midwest, that sounds kind of weird. <laughs> back in the Midwest, farmers are having a pro- real problem with pigweed and are having to pull it out by hand. One of the things that they've now done is because the uh, so many weeds have become resistant to the Roundup or the glyphosate, as it's called, they now have taken one of one half of Agent Orange called 2,4-D and are now using that on the uh, as a resistance. They're uh, engineering 2,4-resistance um, into corn and soy now. Hmm. So we've got that. And so a lot of veterans, when they hear that, they're not that excited about that. Because for years, you know, uh, the company that made Agent Orange, the M com- the Monsanto, <laughs> told us that it was completely safe and not a problem. And they're the same folks that are telling us that, you know, these things are safe. And, you know, could be they are. I don't think so, but could be they are. But are we going to trust a company that has repeatedly, you know, said stuff that has been proven untrue to tell us that these are things are safe and to tell us we don't have a right to know? I mean, I'm sorry. That just seems pretty egregious to me. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and you mentioned right when you sat down that you're a grandmother, and I would imagine yeah. that has something to do with how you certainly started does. and how how's it grown so big. So I would imagine passion is probably what's yes. driven all of this. Yes, it's looking at my grandchildren and all the grandchildren. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and just wondering what we're leaving them, mm-hmm. you know, what kinds of choices, because they have stated, you know, over and over that it's their intention to have every food on the market genetically engineered. And so I believe, okay, well, if the world wants that, that's fine, but we live in a free market and maybe many of us don't. And so the free market should prevail mm-hmm. before it's too late. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And we, yeah, and we want something left over for all of mm-hmm. our kids and our grandkids. And, mm-hmm. and um, who supports this initiative? Who supports this initiative? Um, a wonderful osteopathic doctor named Dr. Mercola. He has a, a health uh, website 
They are he and his CEO are libertarians, and they very much believe in a free and transparent market. Um, and the forces of the market being able to drive. So they've d- donated heavily. Nature's Path, um, Organic Cereals, Lundberg Rice, the Organic Consumer Fund has done a tremendous amount of fundraising. Their funding comes from small folks. So, and we've got more and more, you know, medium-sized donations coming in now. Mothers has donated. Thank you so much, Sharon. Mothers has donated a lot and really, really helped us out a lot. Probably the most of any chain store that I, I could say has been just amazingly supportive in all ways imaginable. Um, but we've got other folks coming on board with some, you know, medium-sized donations too. But if you look at our opposition, um, they have like companies that are donating, you know, 20000 100000 millions of dollars. And we just don't have that kind of funding. Yeah, that was my next question is who opposes this and and why. And it's pretty strong. We expect our opposition to spend anywhere between 50 and 100 million dollars mm. against this campaign. Um and we are hoping to make about a tenth of that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And that's because of the corporation part yes. of it, I would imagine. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They're spending so much money on something they say is going to be so costly. Mm. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And that's unfortunate. But you know what? It's um, more power to you because you've made an impact already. And yeah. you know what? You're, you're working through. Um, I'm backing up a question here, and we can edit this through. But what is the FDA's position on the environmental risks? Um, Well, the FDA doesn't take a position on the environmental risks. That would be more the EPA. The FDA, a lot of times our opposition will say that the FDA takes a position saying these things are safe. And Mm -hmm. actually, that is not true. What the FDA says is it knows of no studies that are indicating that it's unsafe. It also says that it relies on the industry to determine safety. And the industry says that it's not its job to determine safety. It's the FDA's job to determine safety. So once again, we have one of those catch-22s where what does what does the person in the grocery store do being left in the lurch between these two opposing perspectives yeah and it's probably all in the wording of that as well too um well you have uh, you're up against uh, Goliath here, aren't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, this is so interesting. Very interesting information, and I can see Pam how passionate you are. Uh, but uh, you do have a lot of supporters here as well. Um, we're we're ha- we have a lot more to get to. We're not ending here, so we're going to take a quick break. But we will be right back. We uh, we're going to talk about how you can sign up and volunteer and donate too. Uh, but more from Pam Larry. Just a minute. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Looking for healthier snack options? Mother's Market sources organic and non-GMO small batch high-quality, great-tasting nuts, dried fruits, snacks, and candy. The goal? To provide you the highest in quality snacks while also offering high nutritional value. Fan favorites include non-GMO peanut butter pretzel bites, organic dried mango slices, and organic dark chocolate peanut clusters. Stop into your local Mother's Market today to explore all the varieties and pick some up to try for yourself. Let's talk menstruation, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. These shouldn't be taboo topics. They're the normal life phases we move through as women. And Solaray delivers support every step of the way with her life stages. The first of its kind comprehensive new supplement line offers doctor formulated solutions at each stage with clinically backed ingredients you can count on. Own the stage. Buy Solaray at Mother's Market today. Welcome back to the Mother's Market Radio. And we want to remind you that if you missed any portion of today's show, you can find us on iTunes by searching Mother's Market or download the show from our website, mothersmarket.com. 
Click the link for radio and listen to past shows. Plus, download our healthy recipes and money savings coupons. All available at mothersmarket.com. And now back to our interview with Pam Larry, and we're discussing genetically modified foods. So, Pam, do other countries label GMOs? They most certainly do. The most recent country to add labeling laws was India. Um, aside from that, the all of the EU labels. Uh, some of the countries, or at least one of the countries there, also bans genetically engineered crops. Uh, uh, China that and Russia, those very advanced countries label. Uh, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, there are a lot, almost 50 countries throughout the world label their genetically engineered foods. And we're just asking because many of the companies that are uh, opposing us already make foods for all those country, countries. And they somehow have figured out how to get genetically engineered foods labeled there. And we're just asking for some of that food to be sent here to California. And I mean, with that, do does the opposi- opposition see that? And has that changed? That obviously hasn't changed <laughs> their minds at all, right? Oh, no, not no. at all. Uh-uh. <laughs> no. I'm just asking that question. Sure. But, yeah. Um, does the opposition companies label the foods um, in other countries? Does yeah. the opposition? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, like Kraft and mm-hmm. Kellogg, they all have uh, the same version or something very, very close over there. You know, the same, it'll be corn, you know, soy, but that's all genetically engineered free or it's labeled. Yeah. Okay. In other countries. So you would think that they see that working in other countries and you would think that, well, hey, it's working there. Why can't we all get along? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, What about feeding the world? Uh, that's a real interesting one. Well, first of all, I, I, again, I don't talk too much about the science, but I will suggest that people uh, refer to a UN report from last year called the ISTAT report. And in it, they talk about how these things actually are not feeding the world. Mm-hmm. And that, in fact, for the future, this is an unsustainable, un, you know, we can't continue farming this way, that the, the planet can't, can't continue on with it. And they suggest that we go back to agroecological forms of farming, which are more more in harmony with the planet, keep things a little more local, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, you can also check out another uh, a book called Failure to Yield, which talks specifically to this topic about how genetically engineered crops actually do not increase yield over the long haul. And then third, none of the, I mean, all that is true and it all matters, but I don't really understand what labeling food in California has to do with feeding the world. Uh, a lot of countries label somehow that hasn't really affected the rest of the world's hunger supply one way or the other. Uh, genetically engineered foods have been out there for, you know, about 20 years now, and we've got more people that are hungry, not less. And there's no connection. It's it's another one of those PR things that people mm-hmm. are, you know, pulling away from the real topic, which is that we have a right to know what's in our food here in the United States. We're not asking that these things go away. We're not saying anybody can't develop them. We're not saying anybody can't eat them. We're not saying anybody can't grow them. All we're doing is we're asking for a little label so that those of us who don't want to eat them can find them. It makes you wonder, what are you hiding? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like the one conservative guy I know uh, calls himself a plumber up in Northern California. He's like, if you can't put your signature on it, I want to know what's wrong with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well well stated. Yep. Uh, what are the new genetically engineered foods coming? Coming. Oh, so next on the horizon, we have non-browning apples, 
which are really important for feeding the world and the hungry little children over in Africa care deeply about the fact that their apples are not brown, that won't brown anymore. This is important. Uh, the other thing that a lot of people are a little flipped out about is that the first genetically engineered salmon uh, animal is on the market, coming on the market, and that's salmon. Uh, it's been in development for about 10 years. It's called the Aqua Bounty Salmon. Um, it's a very interesting business model in that they started off like in the northern part of the world and then they ship it down to South America to grow. Um, it is a combination of a Chinook salmon um, and an ocean pout, which is an eel-esque sort of fish. Um, and they take genetic material from both of those and then they put them into an Atlantic salmon to, uh, to make that salmon grow about three times the size that it's supposed to grow. It's a voracious eater and many environmentalists are concerned that if it gets out into the ocean that after only 40 generations we won't have any more wild salmon left just because it's a, a very strong and uh, voracious eater and attacker. Oh my goodness! Yeah, um, and both. Uh, so that's both. That's the salmon, the Chinook salmon. The this salmon, is. yeah. The where it's uh, the Chinook and the ocean pout into the Atlantic salmon, and then. But I think the one that might get here faster is the uh, non-browning. Yeah, and the, just this year, not too many people know um, that there is the two four D sweet corn. Walmart has says that it w- has said that it will sell that. I so. think this is so interesting. It's it's. But it's here in the now. I mean, that it is. It's is happening as we speak. <laughs> what do you say to your opposition who says it will raise food prices? Um, what I say is this: It's like, excuse me, we're giving you eighteen months to do something that every in, you know everyone in your industry does. Um, I just noticed that Kellogg's. Uh, had five different new boxes that they made for the Olympics, mm-hmm. and I didn't notice a big st- rise in genetically <laughs> in in food costs associated with those labels. And our labels will have a much smaller, you know, much less ink. Mm-hmm. They'll be very small. They won't be half the package. Yeah, and people bought those, didn't they? They people did. Were out there, they and nobody did. said anything, and and mm-hmm. uh, look what yeah, people uh, were out there in those grocery stores. Um, what can we do? What can we do? Well. As we've talked in this show, this is definitely a David and Goliath sort of situation. Um, We've got a lot of moms and grandmas out there that have been out there volunteering around this for over a year. Dads have been out there right along with us, you know, leading groups and getting signatures and doing all sorts of stuff. We got families. We've got organizations on board, um, you know, people who care, Um, you know, Sierra Club. We got larger environmental folks that are on board. We've got you know, more and more folks coming forward like Tea Party groups are, are seeing the value of this. And, you know, it's, it's people. This is mm-hmm. about people wanting the choice and the right to know. And it takes a lot of energy for all of us to do this. And like I was saying earlier, many of us donated our time. I donated the equivalent of two full-time jobs for 16 months for this. Wow. Um, and there are many, like the woman in Sonoma, Karen in Sonoma, she volunteers at least 60 hours a week for this. Many people have jobs. We need help. We need people out there. You know, we're going to, we're expecting, or I'm sure, you know, we have a large barrage of commercials that are coming our way um, and probably on the air um, by now, by October. Um, and what we need is our little personal mini commercials is what I call them, mm-hmm. um, you know, where we're talking to people and we're reminding people who's behind this. The same people who told us for years that tobacco was safe. The same people that, you know, you know, are, you know, they, they do all sorts of stuff with 
hiding things from people around the oil business. These are the people that are running the pack in our opposition. We have a company, Monsanto is its name, who told us for years that 2,4-D and Agent Orange were safe, you know, who talked about PCBs being safe in courts of law. You know, these are the same people that are running this campaign who are funding it. You know, are we going to believe them or are we going to believe the people that are around us, our pastors, our, you know, our, our health care providers, our massage therapists, the people who care about us? This, we have a right to know what's in our food, you know, pure and simple. And I want to know why there's such a big stink and why people are so afraid that about us knowing what's in our food. This is, I mean, this is what really gets me going, you know. It's kind of like, it, it, it's, it's everywhere. I mean, people... No, I'm flubbering. No, I love so it. Upset. You've been on your soapbox. I love it. You're good. You're yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah. Anyway, so I just, I I believe, and I, I, I coined this phrase when I was driving one time. This is where my, my favorite lines. Consumer rights to know should supersede corporate rights for a non-transparent profit. You know, and that kind of says it for a lot of things, you know. I mean, there's a whole lot going on in this world, and it kind of makes me really angry that corporations can get away with making so much money because people don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And it's about time that we had transparency in the market. That's what drives me, is my outrage over the unfairness of the of the market. You know what? You gave some great examples of, of people not willing to tell you what's on the other side. It's a, it's, a, it's almost a, like that Wizard of Oz, you know, who's behind the curtain <laughs> mm-hmm. and and the curtain's been unveiled already and you're that person that's unveiling this curtain. Well, a lot of us are. Mm-hmm. We're we're telling the truth all over the place around here. You know, they're saying, you know, well, you know, corporate interests from outside of California are rousing things up. Excuse me, go look at their funding. Mm-hmm. I mean, please. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. It's all, it's like mega corporations and lobbying groups from Washington, D.C. I mean, are you kidding me? Right. You know, there's farmers that want this. We have tons of farmers who have endorsed. We have like 1,700 endorsers so far. 1,700 organizations and businesses have made the commitment in, and said, I approve of this. You know, large and small throughout the state. You know, who does that? You know, right. people care about this. Absolutely. And the, and you're asking the question, what's in our food? Exactly. Well, uh, where can we sign up and volunteer and donate? Yes, please go to California Right to Know. That's org. Please join us on the streets when you sign up to volunteer. We'll get that name to your local leader. Forgot to mention, we've got like 90 communities around the, around the state that are actively working on this, that are organized. We've got like 130-something people who are leading or co-leading their communities. We've got people in Humboldt. We've got people in San Diego, all the way from Santa Cruz to Mammoth Lake and all sorts of places in between. But we need tons more people. We have thousands of volunteers. We need tens of thousands of us to get out there and talk to each other because this is what the initiative process was made for. It's become what some people call the initiative industrial process, but initiatives were begun so that the people could rise up and create a law if they felt like their legislators were not doing what they wanted them to do. And after numerous attempts all over the country, it's time for the people to overcome special interests, overcome lobbying, overcome all of the interaction between government and business, and to demand our right to know what's in our food. Wow. Well, I love your style. You're excellent. Thanks so very much for your time, Pam. And we look forward to having you on again. In the meantime, you can make a donation and learn more about the push to label GMOs on the website, carighttoknow.org. Pam, thanks again for being with us. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Mother's Market Radio Show. 
and for shopping at Mother's Market. The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition.